0: This is my second blind date, so I have some idea, albeit still quite unformed, of what to expect. I did not have to concern myself with my image. For the first time in my life, I had no image. What would that be like? For one thing, I could be a professional woman without the intense effort that goes into looking like one. I did not have to struggle to create an image of a competent and intelligent woman combining strength and softness, assuredness and understanding, toughness and nurturance. I will not convey these qualities with my clothing or shoes, my jewelry or makeup. No visual message will be telegraphed announcing my arrival on the scene. I easily follow Isabel's instructions, but when I get to her house, I discover it is not red at all, but white. The house next door is red. I am momentarily confused. Do I have the wrong address? I check my address book one more time, but it confirms to me that her house is the white one. I wonder who told Isabel that her house is red, and why. Did she misunderstand? Or was someone playing a cruel joke? How many other people has she instructed proudly with this piece of misinformation? Obviously, no one has mentioned it to her. Nor do I. Isabel is trying to pass in the sighted world, much as Jessie did. She speaks sighted language, but she can never know from her own experience if she speaks it correctly or not. She must depend on other people's eyes to help her communicate with yet other people's eyes. I can only imagine the vulnerability of her position. I climb the long flight of San Francisco stairs to her house and ring the doorbell. The names are written in the letters of the alphabet familiar to sighted Americans, and right underneath in American Braille, which I cannot read. After what feels like a very long time, Isabel comes to the door. We introduce ourselves, and she holds out her hand, keeping her upper arm next to her body in a gesture almost identical to Jessie's again making me aware of how the customary gesture involves flinging a hand across the space that divides two people. More than that space divides Isabel and me right now. Like Jessie, she suggests a café for our meeting. We readily agree to walk the three blocks to her favorite one at the end of Fillmore Street. Everyone in San Francisco and Berkeley seems to have a favorite café. I am writing in mine right now. I wait for a few minutes while she readies herself and searches for her white cane. It is in plain view for me, and I am confronted again by the same question. Do I tell her or not? Is it presumptuous to tell her or not to tell her? After a short time of watching her fumble around, I decide to tell her where the cane is. The other way felt too unkind, and common sense won out. But I am left to wonder about the suitability of a sense that is not actually common to Isabel and me. With my eyes, I can take in Isabel's entire appearance in just a few seconds. She is a little taller than I am, her face freckled, and her blonde hair cut short and straight. Her smile is easy and friendly. She appears to be at least ten years younger than I am, maybe more. Later, she will confirm that she is indeed precisely ten years younger she will also explain to me that she asked her sighted roommate to cut her hair in a lesbian style so that other lesbians would be able to recognize her she didn't know what they saw but wanted them to see it in her it is an interesting and creative strategy her hair is short and streaked with highlights but is it a lesbian hairstyle i am left to ponder this question is there even such a thing as a lesbian hairstyle at least away from a context of other cues and behaviors such as dress and movement and what if a heterosexual woman has all these characteristics what would that mean i have more questions than answers at this point